Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Blue Bow Podcast with your host Andrew. Today I am in conversation with... Hi everyone, my name is Charlene Sara Thomas. Hi Andrew, how are you? Hey Charlene, great, I'm doing great. And thank you for being a guest on our podcast today. Welcome to the episode. Thank you, thank you for letting me in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. Now, getting from that, what is it that you're, uh, what is it that you're currently doing? Uh, you know, talking about, talking a little about yourself. What is it that currently pursuing or studying or doing? What is it? What you like? Okay. So currently, I am pursuing my post graduation in social work from Madras Christian College. So I just mm-hmm. finished my first year final exams in May. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing academically. Otherwise, okay. what I do is I. Uh, occasionally put up ukulele covers on instagram and i blog like i write blogs over Mm -hmm. like a week or so whenever i'm in the mood and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so that's what i'm doing socially and then personally i am reading a lot of books these days i've always have so Uh i'm like picking up on that because holidays you really need to like i am somebody who can't sit still has to do something always so Mm -hmm. that and when there is no electricity around so that's basically what i do so you're doing mostly everything that you can get your hand on or is available to have the electricity nice that's nice to hear now uh okay so talking about uh I've got I've gotten a lot to pick up from here. But talking about uh, let's say uh, you said Madras University, if I'm correct. Uh, Madras Christian College. Yeah, it comes under Madras. the University of Madras. Ah, I see. Okay, so I'm just going to take a hint there that that isn't in Delhi, right? So you you must no. not be. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, how is how has that experience been like? Have you been originally from Delhi or have you moved from Delhi? What has that been like? You know, shifting to a whole different area and a place. So I have a very interstate kind of an existence. So my native is Kerala and I've been born and brought up in Ghazibad uh, Mm -hmm. like all my life. And then like I did my undergraduation also there. And then I'm doing my post-graduation in Chennai. So that's pretty much three cities in one lifetime. (laughs) So yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, like your post-graduation, like you're talking about, I believe, social work. Like, yes. uh, what, what does that entail? What has that uh, brought to you? You know, your social work skills or what uh, What has this post-graduation brought to you? Uh, that's okay. the same question. <laughs> yeah. I know. See, this is one thing that I have also noticed when I tell people what I do. First question is, like, is this, like, is, is there a professional course for this? It's the first yeah. question I usually get. So what mm-hmm. does social work entail? See, uh, anywhere there are human beings, there are social work. That's the best definition I can give. Right. So take up any sector. Like the specialization that I intend to pick up in my final year is community development. So okay. in that, we basically work specifically for the marginalized communities. So you have the rural population. You have people living in slum areas. You have tribal people, mostly tribal people. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea is uh, to create a society where everybody has everything that they need to create a meaningful life for themselves. So this is just one definition that I can give you of what social work basically means. There Mm -hmm. are a lot of specializations. For example, you have medical and psychiatry. 
so okay. that will entail anything that has to do with the mental health of people and so there are a lot of special like depending on which college you pick up for your social work right you can pick up a lot of specializations as well so basic idea is to be able to provide services that uh individuals and groups communities would need to become the best versions of themselves i see Thanks. Yeah. And what uh, what experiences has brought you like you know take a part taking in this uh, in social work like has it mostly been in like as i know like as you said you're in college right now so has it mostly been uh, throughout this course that you've done is it been in theory you know your is it or is it more practical or or is it like a more on ground research that you conduct and help all right so uh, if you look at the syllabus that we have under the ugc we are mandated to do uh, 1200 hours of on ground field work along with our theory so that mm-hmm. would basically be uh, let's say if we have a six day uh, week like uh-huh. an academic week two days would be field work so uh, because there was pandemic I, like i joined the college in uh, october because Correct. the academic like everything got shifted because of the pandemic right so yeah. i joined in october and then we started our field work in january so mm-hmm. i have done my field work in two places like three months in delhi because i was there and mm-hmm. then when i came to chennai in march that's when we were allowed to come to the college till then it was online classes and everything so here yes. i had the opportunity to go to tribal communities in this district called chengalpet here in tamil nadu so they were like two drastically different experiences one i was working with an organization so there is this place in delhi called jahangirpuri yeah. so there there is a dump yard um, right. i think you are from delhi right yes so uh, yeah so there is a dump yard there so there is an organization called deepti foundation that works for the people who pick rag there rag picker community there so okay. their idea is to bring them out of the whole cycle of you know generations after generation they are, they don't have any viable jobs all they do is pick rag and it's very hazardous like i've seen little children climb over those waste mountains so mm-hmm. it's painful to watch all that so they, it's had two drastically different experiences in one semester so to answer your question it's a combination of both so if you do pick up social work it is necessary whichever college you end up in it's necessary mm-hmm. that uh, whatever you study in class you have to get like simultaneously be working with an organization or yes. in a community to be able to apply whatever you learn so it's a yeah, combination so it needs to be more practical knowledge as well yes okay so like you just said there were two drastic different experiences between delhi and you know uh, this tribal village in tamil nadu so uh, what was the main like experiences between those places you had anything that has you know still stuck with you that like that you like to share maybe about um, delhi or tamil nadu both the places okay so since uh, this is more like the my experience in delhi is sort of a little more metropolitan in nature because naturally delhi right so the children there um the only thing that i found was extremely striking was how much children in general have capacities that don't get you know realized because they don't get the opportunities so there was this okay so i uh, since like i follow christ practice christianity uh, i have a very religious base 
once i was taking this uh, counseling session with a child and i accidentally must have said oh lord or something something to refer to the name of god and this child was like why are you calling god when everything that we do like it's only us like god will not make you so we were playing a game of jenga basically and this child like the uh, piece was going to fall so i must have said something like this and this child god is not going to come down and help you you have to do it on your own Now, this is a 12 year old kid telling me this and i was you know i was like wow the level of wisdom the children have that do not get realized because you know opportunities and all that so that mm-hmm. one experience that i truly remember from there now uh, mm-hmm. coming back to chengalpet tamil nadu here uh, one issue that i've had is language barrier for sure so mm-hmm. i understand tamil very nicely but i i still am not at a place that i can respond properly to like in the sense it's like a one way radio situation can't okay. say anything back mm-hmm. so here i again met children and uh, younger than the ones that i was working with in delhi uh despite having that language barrier they understood me like i won't say i made them understand things like i was trying to ask them questions in the broken tamil that i know and they were able to pick up on it so end of the day more than differences what i saw is this common similarity that children have so much potential and mm. the only issue that we have is the resource imbalance or the kind of opportunities that they you know right. lack or are not given so okay. that's pretty much it but then talking about uh, you know you being able to connect uh, with the people in these uh, communities would you say that it's has been more, has it been more easier for you to connect with the children rather than the adults or is it the other way around what what's that like so i do have a preference for working with children like adolescent yeah. children so that's just everybody has preferences right so that's one right. of my preferences in general but um i won't say i have an issue connecting with adults because okay so one issue that we also have is since we are uh, like we are practicing to become professionals uh sometimes being able to um make adults realize that okay you are specialized in a particular area for example when i was in delhi i had to take a session on um uh child parent relationships with women in that community now i am a 22 year old go- girl i'm not married i don't have kids how do i establish myself as a professional with enough knowledge to express that right so right. Th- those are the major challenges you have then i had to sit and tell them ki okay i have 3 years of experience in psychology and then i've done one year of you know social work and uh, mm-hmm. theoretically and then other courses or whatever so first to be able to establish yourself as a professional and then mm-hmm. to go forward and give them the kind of information that you intend to i think that's one area the one issue that i generally face and it's different with children and you don't have that issue because children again probably because of the whole uh, idea of how hierarchy works in our country it's right. automatic like when an elder comes children listen simple as that so that's the only difference that i have you know found mm-hmm. as of yet and one uh, one more thing i was wondering about you know these two communities because the way the way it's being the way at least i'm putting it in my head is that the people in commu- delhi the community of people here let's say in jhangi puri compared to the ones in tamil nadu they must be having a whole different lifestyle and a way of living and how they go about their day what what is that like what is that experience been like when you saw the way they live 
or the way they interact with each other uh, what okay. differences do you find in that like was it more was it more calm in delhi or was it more calm in you know tamil nadu or what what did you feel personally um so okay since you said the word calm let me pick it from there um yeah. so in tamil nadu the place that i went to it's a district it's 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 a proper village so right. naturally the kind of uh, viewpoint that we have about villages i would say it is apt in the sense that it's a very uh, slow moving kind of uh, you know like so, when you go there time actually slows down like you feel so serene and so calm uh, but coming back when you come back to delhi and when you now this place is jahangirpuri the place that i worked in is is right in the middle of the you know city and it is very fast and very loud all of that is there but if you specifically talk about the communities that i was working with again i would only come back to the similarities because here also uh, people in delhi the community that i was working with they were living in um, let's say half thatched roofs not like kachcha houses per se and people in chengalpet the tribal community there also was living in uh, these kind of homes made of clay or covered with palm leaves or whatever so both these communities the common issue that they face is when it rains their houses get flooded and then they don't have anywhere to go and now uh, the dif- one difference that i would find is uh, it's more toxic because they are living right under a dump yard so it becomes very extremely difficult for them little children everyone they have to relocate for a while or do something to make sure that they don't get sick because of everything so that is what i would like to say about the differences and similarities in these communities okay now okay from communities if we shift towards let's say the children that you know you say that you have more preference working with especially adolescents uh do you think that their voices let's say if a child has a problem with something do you think if they have their is their voice heard better in cities like delhi with all the hustle and bustle or would it be more towards you know a place that is more calm like of course with the social working community or the people around them would okay. you feel there is such an existence of a thing where a child's voice will be heard if they have an issue with something or if they are going through something um i'm glad you picked this up actually so um when i was working in delhi the organization they have something called a child parliament working okay. so what these uh, that the organization does is they allow these children to come together every week and to discuss about issues that they have in their community now these kids they write petitions to uh, the governmental bodies and they have done so much for their community like the if city there now if there are roads being constructed it's all because of the petitions that these children have written so partly because i would say one of the reasons why these children have a voice there is because there is an organizational setup working so if you remove that out of the equation of course children do not necessarily have a voice we think about it like us when in within our own homes how much will our parents listen to us mm-hmm. like how much heed would they give to our opinions or what we want to say um so there is a full full un convention on child rights so how many schools and organizations and even families are even aware of the existence of such conventions because one of the um, clauses or one of the child rights is about the right to be heard especially about things that matter to a child 
but yes. simple things is picking up a stream in your 11th grade is a parental decision at the end of the day so no matter you pick it up in an urban or a rural space that will always be there now going back to the tribal community there things are a little different because um the parent child dynamic there is very um how do i explain this um it's not the way we see in our families there uh, it's more like individuals coming together as one family it's not one family one family would have four families it's like a full it's it's a full communal setup there is no i in a tribal community it's always we so there's also an african concept called ubuntu which says i am because we are so tribal communities basically work on that understanding so there there ain't necessarily be a separate voice coming out especially for the children or for the adults or whatever it's always a we kind of a thing but, okay. but in an urban setup it's more like you know i and individuality so and so so yeah okay now again that gives us a very good perspective of you know how it is i would say it has changed a lot at least for these children this generation of kids they have been uh, given more of a voice because of the communities or uh, organizations behind them would you agree hmm, with that what do you say absolutely it's necessary that like sometimes we need there is a full again oh, i i'm wondering why so much theory is coming uh, there is there is this person called paulo ferrari who wrote wrote about the pedagogy of the oppressed okay so the concept in that talks about how people who have been oppressed over generations um, have assumed the personality of their oppressor in the sense they believe that there is no way out they just believe the, in the status quo like this is what it is and we can never come out of it so for them to be able to realize that okay we do have rights we do have a voice sometimes we need external uh, organizations or people coming in and telling them ki hey this is not how you are supposed to be treated there is a way out and there is a silver lining so in that way yes i do believe that organizations and communities and people who actually strive towards working Uh, yeah. for the benefit of these communities do help out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and with that like what uh, challenges have you personally faced like uh, you know be it in any of the two places or any of the two communities any such challenges that you have faced on a personal level or on a level with the organization you know that you'd like to maybe share um one challenge is if this is more like a learning curve kind of a situation for any social worker or anybody who tries to work for the community it's about realizing that change will not come in one day like when people go into any sort of a professional setup they believe that they will revolutionize their area of work within you know one year or one day like the second they step into the their area of work they're going to just make changes and you know change the world so to be able to realize that sometimes uh, the actions that we take today will only manifest themselves maybe 10 years from now patience is extremely key when it comes to making changes and that's one thing that you only learn with time so that is the only thing that's that's the biggest challenge i have had personally to be able to realize that okay uh, no matter how much efforts i put today i may not see its results maybe in my lifetime there is a fair chance i may not see the results in my in this lifetime so to still be able to work without expecting a tangible outcome out of it that's a challenge for sure 
and how do you think you overcame that challenge like what's your motivation behind it because i can imagine a lot of people you know go having this crisis like oh well i don't see any impact happening because of me and them losing their spirit you know in the work they're doing so what has been your motivation behind it you know that's kept you going let's um, keep going through all of it so the best way to actually deal with such a situation is to rejoice in the little uh yeah. impact that you make for example um the community that i was working in in delhi so uh i was with them for 3 months and uh, right now if i like i i stopped working with them in march because i had to come to chennai right so yeah. right now if i call them up they do tell me that hey we still remember the things that you taught us so i took yeah. a full group work session with them on emotional regulation Uh, with these children so for them one thing that i am actually proud of is for being able to make the children realize that all of their emotions are valid even if they are feeling angry that is also a valid emotion it's about not expressing that anger in destructive ways that's the only mm-hmm. you know pitfall to anger as an emotion otherwise every emotion that you have is valid so if i could leave that one thought in at least one child's mind so to fa- rejoice in those little 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 achievements that you make along the way and then mm-hmm. hope that they will multiply and become something radical or something right uh, important later on so that's mm-hmm. one way that's that's a very it's a very good thought behind it but then talking like picking up from this I'd also want to know like what really got you started what was your you know a uh, goal when you thought you will i want to do social work what was your motivation behind that okay so uh since my undergraduation is in psychology as i mentioned before so yeah. the natural progression of somebody who has done their bachelor's in psychology is to pick up masters in psychology right okay. so mm-hmm. what happened with me was now if you work uh, psychology works from a very individualistic perspective they mm-hmm. they start from the individual that's the whole idea learning about the behavior thoughts and actions of an individual now mm-hmm. uh, and if you do pick up masters then you necessarily do work with clients sitting in a cubicle inside a hospital setup or in a clinical practice or doing it on your own now i came to realize that i cannot sit in one room and work i never personally can't do it and then yeah. i was looking for options where i'll be able to i genuinely enjoy going out there and working the kind of active relationship that you can build with people when you reach out to them instead of uh, sitting in a, in your space and expecting them to reach out to you because more often than not people who actually need help are not in a position to reach out so that i would believe was one of the reasons why i decided to switch to a field that will let me use my undergraduate knowledge and apply it in a context where i'll be able to thrive better So I think that was one of the reasons why I decided to pick up social work and not continue with, with uh, pursuing psychology in my masters. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. And now talking with that, I would also like to ask you if if there were any two experiences or one experience you would give that has been you know uh, bad or good within these communities or your time you know studying social work or doing it. what would you say what has been like one bad and one good experience you have had yourself that maybe you'd pick up on bad experience um okay so at the end of the day this bad experience will also sound good but mm-hmm. the thing is um 
going through these year, like even even when i was doing my undergraduate that's one specialty of social sciences at the end of the day they break your bubble of privilege they break your you know everything that you hold dear to yourself they make you feel studying these subjects will actually make you feel how how much you have gained in your life that has nothing to do with you it it does you know that breaking of that bubble of privilege is probably the biggest shock that i've had through these years of realizing you okay nothing that i have is my own it's because of the efforts of people who came before me or starting from my parents and going forward to generations of you know efforts that these people have put in so that that probably would be to be able to constantly be attacked every day in class every day you get you know hit by these truths so that would probably be let's say a more challenging experience i won't call it bad and good good experience is it has and i truly believe it does transform you as a person you become more empathetic you become more considerate of where other people are coming from and why other people behave in a certain way because sometimes we when we are in conversation with people especially if it's a conflicting kind of a situation we look at their actions based on how we would have reacted in that situation and not based on why they are reacting in a particular way so that probably is a good experience to have to become more considerate to human beings in general so yeah right right then how would you say have uh, i believe there is always like this uh, very fine line between you know uh, being professional within your uh, organization like let's say with children or the community around you and then developing an att- attachment towards those children so have you been able to uh, have you gone through that have you seen that experience yourself you know i believe there is a certain uh, thing where you aren't supposed to you know get too attached because at the end of the day you are going to lead a different life compared to how they may end up leading their lives so have you been able to get that difference or what is, or that uh, how do i yeah, say yeah i that? get your question yeah, yeah i do that's what i'm saying yeah 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 i get your question so uh, that's one thing about being professionally trained in social work and in psychology right so we mm. are trained to be able to develop a relationship with the clients or communities we are working in in a way that when they when we leave there are no um, unaddressed feelings in the middle for example uh, let's take a layman example the movie dear zindagi right the way yeah. sharukh khan when he starts to develop emotional uh, attachment to alia bhat he terminates the relationship he is like now you have to do this on your own or look for somebody else right so this concept is called counter transference idea being mm-hmm. you developing an attachment towards your client so we are professionally t- that we will be able to slowly and steadily make sure that our clients are not attached to us and we also are not attached to them best example like the best solution that they give is if you get attached to a point where you there is no return it's better to end that you know dynamic right there because otherwise it becomes toxic and that's problematic so uh, that's the only thing i can say uh, that being professionally this is where being professionally trained helps in making sure that you do not point where uh, mm. they have to take care of you instead of you taking care of them right right yeah but then uh, what would you say to somebody who's wanting to you know uh, start social work or is wanting to get into it and may not be as uh, trained as you are what would 
what would you tell them to do what would your guidance be to them as somebody who is so experienced who's done psychology and who's been trained in so many things what would you say to somebody who's just wanting to you know or be a part of this community or you know serve people or be there for them what would you See, guide them to do volunteering is always an option but if you want to professionally give services for example uh, if you are right now one of the biggest crises we are having is non trained professionals giving mental health services online so that's yes. that's a very big not very big issue that's going on so there are a lot there are mental health professionals coming in and saying ki hey you are not qualified so <laughs> similarly i would say the same thing for social workers as well the people who want to do so see there is a difference between social work and social service okay. social service is when you give out like when you are at a position to give out to the rest of the community social work is entirely different that is a profession at the end of the day and there are a lot of organizations there are a lot of ngos that work with people mostly i have seen mba graduates who then decide that you know they want to do give something back to the community i've seen a lot of that also i won't say it is wrong but the only thing is being professionally trained fast tracks your work for example if i start without having a degree in social work i start rendering social services to people all right so okay. the kind of development i achieve in 10 years of trial and error learning things and trying to figure out what works what doesn't two years mm-hmm. of being trained in this profession will put me at the same place as somebody who does not have the degree and was in 10 years that's the only thing it actually fast tracks your process you being able to give quality service from the day you graduate Mm-hmm. versus you learning it by hit and trial and that that hit and trial is actually happening on another human being that is problematic that's the only thing i would want to say for people who want to do volunteering social service fine if you are working under a professional mm-hmm. if you do have that supervision then great might as well do whatever you want to do with your time but mm-hmm. if you want to one off start i i will never say make this an entrepreneurship because it is problematic right so that i think i would like to say okay so when you say entrepreneurship do you try to say that you know don't try to make a business out of it or what would you what would you line that up on um not not in the business aspect the thing is uh, okay. make sure that you are qualified to render the service that you intend to that is the only thing whatever it is sim- whatever kind of services that you are planning to do for the community just make mm. sure that you are qualified to give that mm. don't give it just because you want to because that can and might as well will ruin another person's life right so it, it's just that don't try to you know get gain your experience on someone else's course you should probably just gain it yourself you know beforehand before you want to do yes. your work yes yes oh, so that's very rightly put but okay so I'll say moving from you know the aspect of social work, you've given us a lot of knowledge there on that topic. Now talking about your personal time or things that you do personally, I did learn from you that you do a lot of uh, content editing and a lot of things on the side. Like how has that been like? Like you know what is it that you edit? What work do you do? How do you like doing it? What's all of that like? All right, so. Uh... this i i would just say it's my tryst with words it began yeah. when i was in school so i've spent most of my time in libraries i've like i've genuinely enjoyed sitting with words and that has actually helped me also because academics at the end of the day is pure english if you have a knack for that language you can yeah. score in any paper that's just general knowledge and that's one place where the whole system flaws also so mm-hmm. having you know 
having had that now people do end up calling me a grammar nazi sometimes but uh-huh. i i've i've always had a knack for uh, looking at mistakes in the sense that i trying to be able to proofread things like if i i read pretty fast or stuff like that so i began with writing for school magazines and then editing my college magazine so i graduated in my final year of my undergraduate i was the editor in chief of my department magazine so mm-hmm. doing things like that so um the idea being that i truly enjoy being able to uh, help people better their work or make their work into something that's extraordinary so right. i that's the whole idea so that that's just totally freelancing kind of work uh-huh. and i don't i don't even i don't even want to get paid for it it's something i genuinely <laughs> enjoy like i have a uh, proofread uh, books that people have written and i don't want credit for it like they send me the book and i'm like hey that 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 alone is you know uh-huh. that alone helps so like, there is this book and you're not really calling out anybody right <laughs> no no oh absolutely not you guys should go read uh, so there is this uh, person called manisha naskar she wrote, wrote a book called rains uh, rains and oceans uh, yeah. it's a poetry book so um, i was able to proofread that for her and like the sheer joy of actually seeing it come even though oh, the only thing i did was give my opinion on what it looks uh, that gives pure joy and i i don't think i would ever want to be like paid for what i do in that sense okay i see yeah Then, uh, have you have you ever had an opinion on the people who look at you know look at this more from a monetary perspective who look at this uh, from trying to you know make money or trying to make it into a business have you ever had an opinion on such people um i think it's actually great like for you mm-hmm. being able to make money out of something that you truly enjoy doing that's actually pretty great and i uh, so one issue that i am struggling with right now is being able to finally figure out what which one of my passions do i want to make a profession so it's more of that internal dilemma so so for people i i think it's actually great that people uh, pick up a passion and make a profession out of it mm-hmm. yeah right so like talking about your proofreading and uh you know reading a lot of books i also understood from you earlier on was that you do write a blog at times is that correct yeah i do yes so what do you pick up on your blog what is that like like what do you talk about on it or what do you write it's mostly scattered because i haven't uh-huh. that's more like uh yeah i would just say that scattered is the only way i can describe it so um there was this one time when i used to write books on there is this app called whatpad this is right. in my teenage years 11 12 i wrote i used to write books there i i even took them off because i'm truly ashamed of what i wrote <laughs> but like i've i've done things like that so this blog basically is my space of emotional venting which uh, i put out there uh, just in case and somebody relates to it so right. that's the only idea again that's that's completely a hobby that i have mm-hmm. that i do for my own you know satisfaction uh-huh but then what yeah. what do you pick up on it like what are the few things that somebody may find relatable on it you know oh so mm-hmm. i write a lot about love i write uh, i think that has been the strongest emotion i write a lot about love i write a lot about psychological concepts because i have a knack for it and uh, sometimes i also write about political things but uh, i 
not necessarily political in nature but i do write about things that are happening around so these three areas basically what would you say to the people listening how can they find your blog and how can they see what you've written if they want to read it based on what you've said oh so my full name is charlene sara thomas right so it's literally charlene sara thomas dot blogspot.com great so we we link this in the description of this podcast that that <laughs> that's that's free advertisement that i did not see coming thank you for that <laughs> no, no don't worry about that but uh, okay then from your blog talking about uh, i would say your experience like experience with the people around you while being like you said you know you were the editor in chief of your uh, what college department magazine, magazine. department yes. magazine department magazine so yes. what was that like what was that experience like for people around you for the people with you how was that like for you you know your years there oh so uh, 3 years of undergraduate has been great like so in my first year i was the editor and in third year you can apply like you can stand for editor in chief that's how it works three years you can stand for editor and the final year you can stand for editor in chief so uh, there uh, our work was to basically collect articles that relate to our uh, field because psychology so you, they have to be psychological you know somewhere inclined towards that area so my work in that specific sector was to uh, bring all these articles together first would be to actually request people to write in the first place that's another issue that you have to make people you know pen down things so right. you do that then you collect all the articles and then you proofread them then then you do the hard work of deciding what goes inside the magazine and what does not like oh. to actually ask people for their work and then to decide hey this this might not fit into the magazine is another kind of pain so uh-huh. to be able to do that no luckily in my final year we were able to find a way in which we were able to include almost everything that every entry that we received so that again involved massive kind of a transformation of content that's why i say uh, the you know to be to make sure that when it actually comes on paper and some a third person reads it they credit the writer for the kind mm-hmm. of amazing content that they have they have put in so my work would be to be in the background and to polish the whole thing I so see. yeah so that was basically my work as editor in chief there and we we uh, the yearly magazines are called side track so we release them so i think i was the editor in chief of the 13th volume of side track i can't recall the number anymore but yeah right. that was my work there basically so was there a lot of uh, motivation that had to be brought to the team from your end being somebody that they would look up to maybe or was it that mostly everyone was self motivated you know get the work done or submit their submissions what was that like oh so um, i i would say i am a good coordinator so i just mm-hmm. I, i believe i am because uh, in my final year of college i was parallelly doing two things i was the president of the western music society and also the editor in chief of my mm-hmm. these like these were the two positions i was holding in in the college in church i had other positions so uh <laughs> what i want to say is that uh it, i think i i do have that uh, knack to be able to motivate people to work and mm-hmm. i had an amazing team i really had an amazing team and right now i think i need to shout out the one of the chief editors that i had ananya chandra she was my classmate like both of us mm-hmm. we have worked so hard and at the end of the day the product that you come up with no it makes the entire journey worth it and everybody has played a very important role in that mm-hmm. yeah right. 
so there have been you would say there have been a lot of amazing people also around you who made the things happen you would absolutely it's not it's never a one man army ever it's yeah. never a one man army. again coming back to ubuntu right i am because we are so mm-hmm. always so it, a lot of these experiences have i would say applied to a lot of your personal things in life as well you know be it <laughs> working in college or you know working in social work community right Yeah absolutely see uh, again there is another statement i i think it's it's a bio of one of my friends it says we are the amalgamation of every person we meet so literally wow. every experience that we have had like right now my conversation with you is enabling miss everything that i have done in the past 4 5 years right so brings in a lot of perspective okay so one thing i'd pick up from there that's a- pretty nice bio somebody has on instagram the ones i come across <laughs> well, i think i have great friends like i i know i, I do really have great friends that, that, that that's nice to see or oh, i don't know if you've seen this but there are many profiles on instagram that you know have and this at, at, at least as a joke as i'm saying that you know they have <laughs> cake murder cake oh post. yeah <laughs> what is it first cry what else do we have dropped on earth doctor slapped my ass on so many uh, things you have i i have seen cake uh, i have seen many relating to cake some have been cake blast on cake murder somebody wrote cake post mortem and i was like wow oh, wow oh wow <laughs> pretty amazing that's, in- that's interesting i wonder the kind of bios you have lurking around in your instagram shadows No, But, I I don't have them. I don't know them personally. I just find them in my recommendations. <laughs> I've got a very small circle of people I follow. But yes, <laughs> okay. To so be talking, able to come across, hmm. Yeah, to be able to even come across them is, you know, it's like uh, spotting uh, a peacock in Delhi. It's the mm-hmm. best. It's the best thing you could say in a city like Delhi. It's like spotting a peacock or a very, you know. Rare animal. It's yeah. like वो देखो, वो देखो क्या है वहाँ पे. But yeah. Okay, so talking about that, I believe you picked up on also talking about uh, being the president of the uh, Western Music Society of your college, right? Yeah. Uh, talking about that, I also understood from you previously was that you were one of the founders or the founder of the Western Music Society in your college. Can would you like to you know elaborate more on that? Like before you wasn't there any idea of the western music society in the college or what was that like or they did okay. only have hindi music like what what, what was it like okay so uh, the year that i came to the college uh, there was one like the music society that was established is called alaiya so they are the indian music society uh, okay. of my college dolitram that is um, right. so when i came so every if i i'm wondering if you have seen the movie pitch perfect uh, Mm-hmm. that movie is entirely on like the whole college a cappella kind of a setup so you go into college and the whole everybody goes into college with this particular dream of creating their ideal life right so yeah. i entered uh, drc with the understanding that hey right now i i've done like what 10 years of singing in church choirs and in school choirs or whatever now i'll be able to unleash my inner i don't know a uh, creative person and do a cappella I've always loved a cappella, and that is the uh, ruling kind of a Western music pattern that we have in Delhi University. It's it's mm-hmm. it does not have instruments involved. Like instrumental is an entire different setup. 
when uh-huh. you do group singing it's mostly a cappella and a cappella would mean where you do not have any instruments it's all based on your mouth your body percussion whatever so when right. i went when i came to uh, dolatram i auditioned for the music society auditions and uh, at the end so now music society auditions in delhi university is a proper grilling process that can transform an individual into becoming an entire different human being so it is just it is grueling like it's sense the kind of any society that if you do end up in delhi university and if you do end up in a society if it's a well functioning well meaning society that it will transform you to become probably one of the best versions of your own self so i went and i auditioned and i think at the end of the day after they had screened about 60 i don't know how many people there were only three of us that were left when the entire ordeal ended they mm. so two of them went into the um uh indian music setup and mm. they kept me on hold the idea was uh, that society alaya had the idea of creating a western wing for years for like three four years it was just in their mind that they want to create the society but they weren't able to either find the right number of people or i i really don't remember what the reasons were so then i came in and uh, then there were three four seniors and i'd like to really mention this senior of mine called tanya mitra she is she's instrumental in being able to at least motivate me to start the society so okay. first year uh, alaya was performing like they it's another est- well established society of delhi university so they were performing and i wasn't able to participate in any group competitions because number one i was all alone and uh, you need a group right so um, yeah. then first year nothing particularly happened i went for solo competitions or i would go for duet or quartets with my friends but wasn't entirely wasn't singing and that's probably one of the most painful experiences i've had not being able to do the one thing that i genuinely enjoy to be able mm-hmm. to sing right towards the end of that year we did try to bring up like 10 15 people into the western fold and we uh, i remember we harmonized and we created a composition for castamere it's the background of uh, game of thrones red wedding so we made a full seven seven part harmony of it and everything that's one memory i have now uh, that's that's the only thing we were able to do didn't go to competitions or anything and then mm-hmm. these guys these final years they graduated i was okay. left all alone like i was the only person who got selected into the western and i was left and uh, these indian uh, society uh, seniors of mine they said hey we are holding auditions you sit with us select people that you want for your society so in my second year we held the auditions i was auditioning for, so if anybody comes to audition for western i was seeking their auditions and the indian were the seniors were taking there were about 7 8 people of them they were doing this i was single handedly picking people that i want in my army so i have ended up picking yeah just sorry i interrupted you there but no worries uh, tvf version of you know rodies No man I'm really not please don't get me started on that one no no <laughs> reality you... tv can go sit in the sit inside the tv and not in front of me can't so no, it's not can't. it's not that I'm trying to say that I watch rodies no god forbid me from that but uh, uh-huh. what I'm saying is that tvf had their own parody on rodies where they oh. had this uh, you know bald guy imitating i think those two brothers you know the two bald brothers on rodies 
So there's I this very. I still won't be able to recall. <laughs> this is I out of context for me. It's yeah, not working. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. But whoever whoever has seen it, I guess, will probably understand. Or maybe you do need to watch this. So basically, in that is that there are two people auditioning people for. Okay. Hmm. And what this bald guy is doing, he's a. Uh, He's going under the table from one seat to the other seat, and he's giving criticism from two places while he oh. keeps moving from places, and he's changing oh. his characters. So what I was getting from that is, were you doing something similar? Were you changing seats and having you know different <laughs> opinions on the people auditioning, or what oh, was that? So- so it was like a common setup that we had so we have something called the gcr general common right. room in the college so we we had our auditions there so the five of these seniors were sitting and i was the sixth one sitting in the corner so pe- people oh. would come and they we'd ask what are you auditioning for the indian or the western so if they say western then when they sing i am the one scoring them so i it's on it's entirely on me and if if the seniors had any opinions on you know maybe hey this person seems nice or whatever so then they would give me that otherwise it was mostly me trying to see okay this person will fit so i was working from the knowledge that i have had singing in four part choirs for 6 years then when i was in my second year so i was picking up people based on that understanding and um so at the end of the day i did pick up like about i don't know 20 people or something and after the grueling entire pain of uh, so after you get auditioned you have two weeks of trial period in which you are put into this grueling kind of a setup where alaya setup is they have morning practices so you have to be in the college by 7:30 and you have wow. one hour one hour practices that's just the norm you have to be there if you're not there you might as well can quit the society and go do whatever so um i also had similar kind of a thing going on and we'd have morning practices we do vocal warm ups and everything so when all of that was done it was just 10 of us left including me so with these 10 people with these 10 people the western music society of dalitram college started we named it encore i think in the november of 2018 if i'm not wrong encore hey. basically means once again to uh, so it's it's again an orchestral term where when an orchestra or when a um, orchestra is done performing and if the audience like a particular piece they can ask for an encore that means to repeat that piece okay. so that's where the term comes from so then uh, then began the journey of again hit and trial this is what happens when you're not trained so it was me who had some sort of a flimsy kind of a knowledge in music and nine other people who had no idea what they were doing all they knew is we like english songs so uh from there we began composing and everything and we went for a lot of competition so i remember we began with imagine by john lennon and rolling in the deep by adele so we made a combination of that it's somewhere on the internet i remember somebody posted it after we performed in one of i feel listen to it now it's a kind of tone deaf things that we have done so uh, after that we picked up okay so there is this thing called kavalsveri it's a bulgarian folklore I okay. came across this when I was listening to Berkeley Music Academy's um, uh, YouTube post one day, and uh, it was in 2015, and that song stuck in my head. So okay. in the January of 2018, I do not remember years. Anyway, 2019, yes, January of 2019, we picked that up and we composed it, and that probably is our maiden composition. So we took up a Bulgarian folklore, and we it's a single tone. 
song and we made four parts out of it and we sang and that's that's a standout thing and we won a couple of competitions through it and everything and then in my third year of college now i had people with me so it was me and you know nine others auditioning for the next group of people so then in my final year we uh, we were about 25 people uh, as far as i remember yes when everything got done we were a total of 25 people and uh, then we did a lot of fun like we made so many compositions for every competition we made a new composition we went for uh, competitions like i we went to iit roorkee we won in iit guwahati it was really fun and we also fun thing one fun thing that i actually remember is uh, are you an mcu fan avengers uh, please yeah yeah i would say so okay so uh, the title track of that uh-huh. right uh, of uh, end game or like with last two movies right thing in acapella so there is a version online by uh, i think it's called peter sildiri's version So there are like eight people singing the track. So I wanted the score. So we have we uh, have these notations which we read, no, for right. music. So uh, I wanted the notation for that, and I couldn't find it online. So I randomly texted these people on Instagram. So now this is some group in Russia who put up that uh, post there. No, I randomly was like, "Hey, I am from India. I have this music society going on, and we want to perform the Avengers Title Three." theme so would you want to like would you be able to send the notations in a fun thing is notations are costly like you don't okay. get them for free these oh, people yeah, are, so yeah you want to <laughs> i didn't know there's a notation industry so yeah it does it it costs you man you can't simply get uh, because see it's again it's a it's something somebody has created right okay. so the you can find old compositions for example beethoven's compositions or things like that why do you find that is because that man has died 100 years ago so yeah. after 100 years of a composition it becomes free yeah, then anybody can access it ha huh. like in sense yeah it becomes uh, the royalties end it's 75 years in some countries and 100 in the others so once that period of time is done this is after the original composer has passed away so okay. 100 years from then it becomes free otherwise you like recent compositions now if somebody creates a four part harmony or anything then you'll have to pay for those notations so i was like wishful thinking let's just text them and see they were grateful enough to send those notations to us and we then used them to you know learn our parts and sing so mm-hmm. that happened and it was like such a beautiful thing to literally do an international kind of a networking no that is and that's another thing i actually developed uh, when like as a president of the society like we we collaborated with so many uh, like unexpected people at the end of the day and for so many programs that we did we mm-hmm. we performed so many places so um it was a beautiful experience and right now is my juniors are running the society and right now i think there are about 35 people so it's growing slowly and slowly the number of people in the society is also growing there is a fair chance over the next 5 6 years it will become a total army and then within see, because i'll tell you uh, uh, the other a cappella societies have been there for example stephen society has been there for years now it's so many as a minimum of 10 20 years more than that if i'm not wrong so they are a huge that's a crowd and how big is that entire crowd i don't remember the numbers anymore uh, for uh, like 
DTU has uh, DTU has no their music society is divided also like 40 people on one and 40 on the other ah. the crowd yeah it's they, because you get to branch out also okay. then you have so many people around you can do multiple things at the same time no so mm-hmm. these people also have bands going on and everything so slowly and steadily maybe encore will also develop something like that so little by little we take those steps and right now we have only ventured into a cappella instrumentals and uh, solos duets quartets that's the okay. whole setup going on so that's why now i'm just i'm this is wishful thinking hoping for somebody who started something like this i only the only reason why this whole thing came across was because i wanted to sing and for me to be and i again i didn't want to sing alone i've always yeah. had that you know we kind of a thing it all ties up if you really look at it me not wanting to go into masters in psychology and me wanting to sing with a group all ties up at the end of the day the communal feeling that i generally have somebody listening to this is going to be like oh shit by the end of it everything makes sense you know yeah <laughs> See, again another yeah. benefit of uh, my twist with words Mm-hmm. everything ties up at the end of the day so mm-hmm. yeah so that's which my is, journey which is a very very interesting way of putting it and i think we've gotten to learn a lot from it but also talking about uh, like like you said you how you started but who were your uh, inspirations like i believe uh, you may have had uh, inspirations in your family or around you would you like to talk about that that oh, made you start uh, absolutely So, so like the beginning of encore was more like a like the next best thing to do mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it did not i did not intend to start a music society my yeah. only intention was to find a because you need to have a formal ground to sing in the college also that's again legal proceedings there is a certain way so that's the only reason why that started but there are multiple people involved for example as i said tanya didi was very crucial in at least being able to motivate me to stay on track and to not give this up in my second year because i was the only one there right and right. for me to have those people and there were other people in alaya i would dearly like to mention vasudha right now she's my classmate and uh, she was in the indian side like the indian uh, west indian music society she graduated from there and i graduated from the western wing so there were people in the other societies within the college in different western music societies around so i have had help from uh, like uh, people who have an enthusiasm for western music in other colleges and in other institutions and then coming back to my background in the church as a church mm-hmm. choir the choir masters that i've had over the years I, again i'd like to mention this person his name is alexis abraham he is a mm-hmm. he is somebody who did engineer, engineering and gave that up gave a very nice profession to become a full time music teacher because he had a passion for music so mm-hmm. i've like mostly of what i know about four parts comes from him and then my father uh, has been the choir master of my church for i know roughly 5 6 years so he is a he is he is a constant inspiration and then again going back uh, all this comes back from my genetics in the sense my father's family is musically inclined so it all starts from there we being again uh, oh wow this is going to trip you over me talking about how who i am right now comes from my ancestors so <laughs> let let's tie that here now so being genetically musically inclined and then mm-hmm. having the opportunities 
to you know explore that again i have talked about this also children being given the opportunity to become their best versions me having those opportunities and then coming to a space where these opportunities got tested when i didn't have them i had to create them so that is where you know encore was born me being able to take that passion and to make something out of it yeah and then okay now talk picking from that i'd also want to know like uh, has it been only uh, let's see like you said you're a vocalist right means you are singing or you're in a cappella or in a choir but hmm. do you also pick up any instruments or are you inclined towards any instruments that you'd like to play or anything that has you know interested you oh in so i have always wanted to learn the violin Mm-hmm. but violin i believe now it's a personal opinion instrumentalists may disagree i believe violin is one of the toughest instruments to master mm-hmm. and uh, um, so i never got the chance to actually get a violin and go to you know violin classes or whatever because again opportunity some you have some you don't so i never right. got an opportunity for that but uh, in my first year of college all the people in the music society then so there it's only alaya right there all my seniors had this instrument called a ukulele so it's like a small guitar sort of a thing Uh-huh. so all of them had that and then they would say ki you also should you know get to one it's very easy to learn so i remember we were sitting in the porch of our college and then uh, one of my seniors they gave she gave it to me and she was like hey this is a c chord this is a g chord that's a d and i'm like okay interesting like is it like, okay wow this i think i can do so then uh, you know you save up money i bought my first ukulele in the second year of my college and i picked it up from there i learned yes. how to play it and right now i think i can fairly play it very well and it's right beside me i'll mix it in with my uke right now it, it goes everywhere i go my uke goes with me even uh, like i went for one month of internship in bombay in the june of 2019 yes. i had my uke with me even though it was like a one month internship i was like i'm still going to keep it so it, it's oh, become a constant companion uh-huh. now so that's the only instrument that i picked up and i hope that when i do get a job and i have enough money resources time whatever i'll be able to pick the violin as well so right. yeah so you'd like to dedicate your time to the violin isn't it that's, yes that's i do i do that's a, a general life wish i have <laughs> yeah. even knowing about the ukulele also so any instrument if you've learned how to play it or if you can make a tune out of it that's an achievement in itself Absolutely. See, for me, uh, like being able to sing in itself is there, and then being able to play an instrument and sing just adds to your own enjoyment of the process, na? So with that, Charlin, I believe I'm. I I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I know that people mess it up at times. Am I pronouncing? Oh, always. It? Yes, absolutely. That's the correct pronunciation. <laughs> okay, great. So uh, with that, Charlin, I would like to uh, thank you. for joining us on today's episode we have brought in a lot of insight i would say from your music society or from your years you know working as an editor an editor in chief and especially your social work and the aspects behind it you brought us a lot of insights so i'd like to thank you for joining us today and bringing that to our listeners and thank you for getting me here this has been like a very i don't know very very good journey personally mm-hmm. to be able to reminisce so much so i i really want to thank you for the initiative as a whole also i've been listening to your podcast and they are really you know heartwarming at the end of the day so yeah thank you for that i appreciate it and uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in uh, again if you would like to 
if well if you have a story that you'd like to bring and share upon you know with the podcast or with our listeners you will find the you'll find the link in our description well at least in spotify and if you don't find it there you can check us out on instagram bluepo podcast you will find uh the joining disc- uh, joining link in our description or the bluepo well bluepo podcast website for some more exclusive content that i haven't got yet but i'm getting it for you guys <laughs> wondering what will my exclusive content be but uh apart from that if you if you want to find us you can find us on geosavan you can find us on gana apple music spotify and any other place where you get your podcasts on if you're already listening to us you know where we are uh once again thank you charlin for joining and thank you everybody for listening take care bye bye bye